Our leader will now share for 20 to 25 minutes describing what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now. Our leader for tonight is Heather. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Heather. I'm a compulsive overeater, and my heart just feels so full seeing so many of you on the meeting tonight. <sighs> I, I don't live in San Francisco anymore, but I lived in San Francisco for the first 12 years of my recovery. Yeah. And um, this meeting was my one of my home groups. And I used to come to this meeting with my friend Serafina. And um, I just have a ton of good memories of this meeting. So I'm glad to be here. It's also 1030 at night for me because I'm on the East Coast. So <laughs> I took a little nap before this because that's the age I am now. And um, so, yeah, so I hope what I have to say is useful to others. And I'm going to ask God to speak through me. So, um, you know, I'll tell you what my story is. And as always, this is just my story. The program is in the literature if you need if you, you know, if what I say doesn't resonate, please take what you like and leave the rest. Um, there'll be other people whose shares resonate more with you. Um, I came into OA in 2004. Um, I, let's see, how do I structure this? Um, I've always been a compulsive overeater. My dad, my dad was my binge buddy. We used to eat together. Um, I used to brag that I used to be so proud of myself that I could eat the same giant hamburger that my dad could eat when I was like seven, you know, like it was like, that was the thing I was proud of. And, um, you know, it just goes back a long ways. Like being in now being in recovery for 16 years, I, um, I know a lot more about what was going on back then for me beyond compulsive overeating, but compulsive overeating was my friend. It was a safe place for me, felt like a safe place for me. And, um, and I needed it when I was a kid, I'm not going to sit here and say that that was, it was always a bad thing. It, you know, it worked for me for a while. Um, and, uh, some of you know me here, some of you don't. Um, so I'm just gonna share my story. And those of you who know me, just, you can recite it with me, I'm sure. But um, so I, um, yeah, I remember like just doing all the things with food just to make sure I could have a constant supply of food that I felt was going to um, coat my nerves, you know? sedate me, keep me from dealing with a world I really had no idea how to deal with, I would say. And um, yeah, food was my answer to everything, right? And I came in, when I came into the rooms, I was, I think two, the last time I'd weighed myself before I came into the rooms, I was 240 pounds. Um, I haven't weighed myself in a while. I get weighed at the doctors and that's pretty much when I know my weight at this point. Uh, I, I have lot, I have released as much as 95 pounds. I have gained some weight since then and I'm working on that right now. 
Um, I would, my weight now is, I want to say 178 was the last time I was weighed, but that's with clothes on, you know, like it was, this is like not first thing in the morning naked the way I used to weigh myself. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fast food person. That's my drug of choice. Give me like the combination of protein, fat, and sugar. So basically anything you can get in a drive-through was a thing that I loved. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess I could tell you all the stories. Like I did all the diets. I did uh, Weight Watchers and, you know, we don't take any position on any of these things. So whatever food plan works for you, great. But I went through the cycle of going through all the food plans and never um, never being able to keep the weight off. I could always lose weight, but it was always wrapped up in this tremendous sense of like anxiety and shame. And, you know, when you took your, my food away from me, like I... I have learned in recovery that I'm just a very anxious person and I was anxious when I came into the rooms, but now I know like this nervous system requires tender loving care. And I could not give that to myself. I was wrapped up in all sorts of things, uh, trying to get my self-worth from out there, you know, like from my job or from, um, who was or was not looking at me at that moment, you know, who was attracted to me and who wasn't. And was I in a relationship? I was almost never in a relationship. Um, and uh, yeah, and I, and I felt empty inside, you know? And yeah, so, I mean, that's what it was like. What it was like was that I, would get fed lunch in kindergarten and come home and have another lunch. You know, like my form of binging was not, I didn't do massive amounts binging as I know some people in the rooms do. I did constant all the time eating something, like basically keeping something in my mouth at all times so that so that it would soothe me, I thought, you know, but if it worked, I wouldn't have had to, keep doing it all the time, you know? So, um, I came into the rooms, um, in 2004 and my friend brought me in. Um, my friend brought me in. I can't, I mean, some of you know this story, but I came up to the city. I was living in Santa Cruz and I came up to the city on a, for a blind date that my friend set me up on. And um, the date was weird. Of course, I went on to date that woman for six years, but, you know, went on the blind date. And then um, the next morning, I was eating breakfast with my friend and she said, oh, I want to go to this thing. And I said, what is it? And she said, it's Overeaters Anonymous. And my best friend from middle school her mom had gone to some 12-step program around food. I think it was a different one. Actually, I know it's a different one, but at, when I came in, I didn't know that there were different ones. So, but she had made amends to my friend and their relationship had gotten a lot better. And that's what I wanted. Like, I really was convinced when I came in these rooms, I could never lose weight. 
I was going to, I just given up. Like I'm going to be fat the rest of my life. I couldn't control my eating. So I tried to control my exercising. So I'm also a compulsive over exerciser and I've injured pretty much every joint in my body by, um, exercising for hours at a time in order to try to control what I couldn't control with what I was putting in my mouth. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so I went to that one meeting and that was God, like, I wasn't looking for it. You know, I was just kind of unhappy and figuring, you know, I come from a family of fat people, I'm going to be fat and it's just going to be the way it is. And, um, yeah. And, you know, those of you who know my story know that a month after I came to my first meeting, so I left that meeting and I understood, like, I understood everyone in the room. Like, it was the first time, like, there are two times in my life I felt like I found my people. One was when I was in college and I walked into the, um, this organization that I worked with that became the field that I'm in. And I walked in there and I felt like, yes, these are my people. We can talk about weird things and they get it. They get why these things are important, you know? And then I walked into this room, I walked into this meeting and people were talking about hiding food around the house and secretly eating it. And, you know, I hadn't done that. Like hiding food wasn't really my thing. My thing was eating the middles out of things, you know? don't start anything and don't finish anything. Therefore, it's all a mystery. No one knows where the food went. I don't think that was ever true. But, um, you know, bless my heart for the delusion. Um, and uh, I went to that meeting and I understood and I was like, oh, this happened to my household all the time. My dad was a compulsive overeater, you know. And so I thought, oh, yeah, these are there are words for this. You know, like there were just no words for it when I was growing up. It was just my dad had almost died a couple times and we didn't talk about it. Um, and so I came in, I went to that meeting, I left and promptly didn't go to a meeting for a couple of weeks, <laughs> went back down to Santa Cruz and finally started going to a meeting. And then a month after I came to the came to that first meeting, my dad went into the hospital with congestive heart failure. Um, and, you know, my, my story is very linked up with my dad's, even though it's certainly not his story. Um, but, you know, my dad died uh, almost two years ago in January. And, but, you know, he had his first heart attack when I was seven and he was a compulsive overeater. You know, he even said to me, he had congestive heart failure and he said to me, Heather, I'm going to not eat salt because I'm not allowed to eat salt, but I'm going to eat everything else. Like he just was like, don't mess with me. Don't try to get me to not eat it. I'm just, this is how I'm going out. And all of his like great burn everything down and go out in a blaze of glory ideas were all traveling around Europe and having massive meals of food he couldn't eat, right? Like, so this is where I come from. And this is a man I love very much, you know? And um, he went to the hospital with congestive heart failure. I was 29 years old. 
and he was 515 pounds and he um was twice my age and twice my weight as far as i knew and you know i 100 percent came back to the rooms that day the day that i found found out that my dad was in the hospital and i went to see him uh i stopped eating sugar and it was 100 percent a diet I was not doing what you all were doing. Like I was just terrified in incredible grief and also terrified of what was going to happen to me because like, I knew I was going to die, you know, like a fellow in these rooms once said to me that people carry the message in two ways. One way is that they come into these rooms, the food stops working for them and they do the steps and they get better and they carry the message that way. And then the other way is that people, people either never come in the rooms or the food just never stops working for them. And they also carry the message, but they carry that other message of like, this is, this is how you die of compulsive overeating. And so I really saw that up close and personal. And my dad was always like, he was an Eagle Scout, you know, he supported his whole family when he was in high school because his dad went to prison. Like he was a tough dude and he was so powerless over a cookie. Do you know what I mean? And I realized I was so powerless over a cookie. I was so powerless over every diet starting with I'm not going to McDonald's and ending with me at McDonald's, right? And I was so powerless over the three candy bars I had to have in the afternoon for energy to get through my workday because I hated my job. And um, yeah, so I came in, I started dieting, I started counting calories again, which made me suicidal when I was in middle school. So that was a great idea, but I didn't know what else to do. I'd only ever dieted or binged. I had never been abstinent, you know? So I, um, I came in, I did my, did it my way. I started to lose some weight in that eight first eight months. I was fired from my job, the job I hated, but I couldn't leave on my own. Where I, when I stopped eating sugar, I started crying in the afternoon. Um, anyway, um, you know, I eventually what happened was that I stopped doing it my way because I started slipping after eight months, like, and I just thought, God, if I can't, if my dad almost dying doesn't get me abstinent permanently, then what, you know, like nothing was going to do it. I was going to die. And so I was, so I immediately switched from fuck you. I'm not telling you what I'm eating to I'm going to be perfect. And I was perfect. You know, like I wrote down my food the night before I committed it to my sponsor. I could call a sponsor every day at the same time. Um, sorry. And, um, I, uh, and I became, and I was orthorexic, which is like an obsession with perfect food. So like I wanted to get my food plan just right. And it was just another way for me to be obsessed with food. But I did start to lose weight and I did start to actually be abstinent and I started to work the steps. And that was the main thing. I kept choosing sponsors who were either on their way out or didn't intimidate me. So I kept choosing sponsors who didn't have what I wanted. 
And then I was went to a Sunday evening meeting in Noe Valley and a guy who just moved to San Francisco announced that he was available to sponsor and he'd lost more than a hundred pounds and he kept it off. That was the thing. Like I could lose weight, but I was doomed. I believed to just constantly regain it and constantly fail. Right. Because it's, it's a personal flaw. It's a moral issue. Uh, and when I'm on my own. And so I, um, I asked him to be my sponsor and he was my sponsor for the first six years of OA. And he likes to joke, he's my higher power, but, um, you know, he's like a brother to me now, really. Like I've had since, so I'll fast forward a bit. I do want to say like, it's the steps, like, Long before I got to the 10th step, I was doing 10 steps because I could not cope with the world. I could not deal with someone shoving me on Muni and I could not, um, I couldn't stand to be in my body. Like I was so terrified in my body all the time and I still am. But now like, you know, you train with the little uncomfortable things so that you can deal with the big uncomfortable things, right? And so, I learned I could be uncomfortable. I learned that not every feeling in my body was hunger. I thought every feeling in my body was hunger. Um, and I learned through the steps that nothing out there was gonna fix me. That is was the saddest and best news, right? So um, it wasn't gonna be the job. It wasn't gonna be reaching higher heights in my career. It wasn't going to be, you know, getting the girlfriend or boyfriend. It wasn't going to be getting married. And, you know, four years ago, almost four years ago, my partner and I moved to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania from San Francisco and bought a house. We live in we live in a ridiculous house, giant Victorian house, all the all the stuff in San Francisco that I never thought I could have, and you know, and I'm successful as a self employed person, which started happening in program, but none of that has fixed me. Being in this long term relationship has not fixed me. Nothing has fixed me, other than the steps and my higher power you know, and um, I just, it's been a rough, especially the last two years since my dad died, it's been a re it's been really rough for me. Moving across the country was very hard. Leaving all of you was very hard. I hate the pandemic, but I'm so grateful to these Zoom meetings. The fact that I can go to my San Francisco meetings and see you guys, like it makes me wanna cry. Like I'm so grateful. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, there was the fact that I'm not face down in the food with any of the things that have happened in the last few years. So I'll just, this is meant to be impressively awful. It's a ridiculous thing, but uh, my dad died in January, um, 2019. Three months later, I found out that I had uh, pre-cancer in my uterus, had to have a hysterectomy, went into sudden menopause, 
um, found out that it wasn't just pre-cancer, it was actually cancer. Um, my partner's aunt died, who she was very, very close to. Um, then the pandemic happened. Then my partner had to have a hysterectomy. And right now, in the middle of COVID, my partner is recovering from a total ankle replacement. So I've been doing a lot of caregiving for her in the middle of a pandemic. All my normal coping skills are gone. And there were, and in the midst of all this, I've gained weight, which is horrifying, horrifying. I never gained weight in a way uh, before this. And uh, I am eating the exact same food. And it is just like, you know, I feels very much like grief, you know, that the, it's the same, like, I feel like in the last two years, most of the things that I could rely on have been taken away from me. You know, I can't work the same way I could work before my grief and the like stress of everything. Um, so, you know, it's very much grief. Like I've had to reassess what is my relationship with my higher power. I was not enjoying OA meetings here in Pittsburgh, but you know, I don't have any other options. You know, my dad died of this and he had everything in his life taken away from him before this, you know? And because he was in the food, he could never deal with his life and have a better relationship with me and my sister and my, anybody else, you know? Um, and so there have been times in the last two years, I have felt like my abstinence hasn't counted or not been good enough because I've gained weight. And uh, I just feel really grateful today because even though it's not the way I want it to be, it's not perfect. I don't have the body that I had, like I've had to buy new pants and you know how traumatic all that stuff is for us. And, um, but I hear people, I've been going to the 7 a.m. San Francisco meetings on Zoom, and I hear people coming in in the middle of a pandemic and getting abstinent. And I feel like, and I hear them telling their stories of their relapse, and I feel like, yeah, this abstinence that I've decided isn't good enough, the huge gift. I do not want to be in the food. I have enough other problems. And um, I continue to work my steps. I had to reassess how I do 10 steps. I had to reassess like what my relationship with my higher power is. I've been so mad at God over the last two years over everything that I feel like I've lost. Um, and now my 10 steps I write are halt. I write hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I write how I'm feeling on each of those each day and then I do gratitude and um and my action plan for the day is to address those things too tired take a nap N need to exercise go for a walk you know it's in the 30s and 40s here now and I went for a walk because it is the only thing keeping me sane you know and so I feel really still very passionate about OA I don't know that I was in a pink cloud before all this. I just think it's been an ex extraordinarily difficult two years. But I do know from my experience now that my higher power will get me through all of this. That 
I am not alone, that I can bring an army, my army of you guys with me into every situation. And it's hard and everything is so, so one day at a time more than it ever was before. Um, but it gets to be one day at a time. Like it doesn't have to be like I'm in the food and then I get up a year from now, two years from now and, and go, oh, where have I been, you know? And if that's your story, that's fine too. I'm so glad you're in the rooms, you know? Like we, we do what we can when we can. I just, yeah, it's just been a remarkable 16 years. And I'm so grateful I don't have to do it alone, that I never have to do it alone, and that there's so much help. And I'm so grateful that I love all you guys. So I pass. <laughs>